question. For the final part of this session, we're going to hear about the National Student Survey. Um, this is the survey, studentsurvey.ie report from 2022. Professor Peter Felton is going to come back up on stage and he'll give us uh, a brief background to the survey. So, Professor Felton, again. Hello again. Hello. <laughs> I'm obviously an ineffective teacher. Um, this panel is really brilliant, and I just want to underscore a couple things they said as a way to get into thinking about the Irish Survey of Student Engagement. Um, this last point Dara is making, and, and it goes back to one of Anna's key points about really listening to students. And it's important that we informally listen to students, right? As a staff member, I should get to know the students in my classroom and all. That's powerful, but that isn't enough. We need to be really systematic about listening to all our students, especially paying attention to whose voices we're not hearing. So as Anna said, we need to develop systems to hear from our students, not just informal practices. And then one thing Roisin said that I think is so important, my American version of this, is we really need to align our practices and our reward systems. And I, I think in the US, this is a huge problem that the, the faculty who are in classrooms in too many institutions are rewarded for, when, for the work they do when they're not in the classroom. And that's the primary driver. And so if we really want students to, ex to experience the kinds of classrooms and the kinds of engagements that we're talking about, we need to think hard about our systems, right? Because we, we should not, in the US, we cannot build an effective higher education and an equitable higher education system based on the premise that faculty will work against their own professional best interest. Right. And then last but not least, and it's the transition, we need evidence that helps us understand our students in really systematic ways because it's, it's wonderful to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with students. I love that, that's what a lot of my research is based on, but that tends not to really help us understand students systematically, and that's where something like this student survey can be a powerful tool. So, as I mentioned before, I've been on the Nessie board for a number of years, so I spent a lot of time in the US working with institutions and colleagues, my own institution. I'm thinking about what surveys can do for us and how to use them. Just a couple things that sometimes people don't understand about these kinds of surveys, like the student survey. First, it really focuses on what the research says are essential things for students to spend their time and energy on, right? So it's not asking students random things, or do you like this, or do you like that? It's asking, here's what we know matters most for student learning. How are you spending your time and energy and related to that? And then the second thing these surveys tend to do is they're designed, again, drawing on deep wells of research to say, how is the organized, how is the institution organized? How does the curriculum provide the kinds of experiences that we know are valuable, most valuable for students? So the survey itself does that. The question really isn't about the survey, though. It's about how do we use what's in the survey? And too often in the US, we use them for rankings. 
I do need to say, because my president won't let me come back to North America if I, unless I say this, that my university, Iwan University, for the last two years has been number one in teaching in the primary rankings of national universities. So I have to say that. So we like rankings when we're good. But more importantly, we need to use this kind of data to ask ourselves really critical questions about our own student experiences, especially about the range of student experiences, not just the average student experience. And if I may be so bold as to dig into your own report, these are on the table, and the data looks great, except for one measure from my perspective. There's a measure called Student-Faculty Interactions, 2022. And the scores there are much lower than all the other areas. And there's plenty of reasons we could explain that with COVID and everything else. Um, but the research is really very, very clear that one of the primary drivers, in the US at least, of student persistence, student learning, student motivation, student engagement, student success, is the quality of relationships they have with academic staff. And so if that's a place where at your institution where you're getting data that isn't where you want it to be, a survey like this can highlight that and help direct your strategic efforts because the point of this isn't the survey. The point of this is the data in the survey to catalyze strategic action, to make your institution more engaging, more equitable, and more effective for all of your students. Siobhan's gonna talk a little bit more about what's in the survey. Thank you. Good afternoon, everybody. How's it going? Um, so let me just make sure that I know how to work this thing. Nope. There we go. Um, so I just wanted to give a brief rundown of some of the results of studentsurvey.ie 2022. And as has already been highlighted, those results are available to you on your desks in front of you at the minute in the executive summary. And just as an FYI for participating institutions, that executive summary, the, the results section of that is available on the website at the moment as an editable infographic. So as an extra tool for you to be able to edit that with the results from your own institution and to share that with staff and with students in your institution using your institutional results. One other thing that I wanted to draw your attention to was that as for this year, the editorial group invited reflections on a couple of different things, one of them being the value of studentsurvey.ie results for institutional and SU strategy. And we also invited reflections on the topics that we included in chapter four and I'll get to what that is in a moment, but they're very interesting and I would encourage you to take a look at those in more detail on the website. Um, so, Speaking of chapter four, so those of, some of you might be familiar with this, but what we always do with the report for studentsurvey.ie is that we take a, a, a chapter where we take a closer look at a particular topic. It's called our looking deeper chapter. And in 2022, we broke this into two parts. And one of them, one of those parts was in relation to students' consideration of withdrawal from their degree program. And this year for, this, this had been a question that had been included for some students in previous years, but in 2022 was the first year that we included it as a question for all students. And we asked them, have you ever seriously considered withdrawing from your degree program? And 
In this instance, one in three students had of the respondents to the survey, so I will add that that is first year and final year undergraduate students and taught postgraduate students. So around about one in three of those indicated that they had seriously considered withdrawing from their program. And if we break that down by those constituent groups, the, the, the standout group there is the final year students. So around about 45% of respondents to the survey indicated that they had considered withdrawing from their program. And this was about 35% for first-year undergraduates, and this was about 29% for the taught postgraduate students. And the report goes into some of the further data around what we know about this, so the rate of consideration of withdrawal, but also extremely interestingly, in my mind anyways, the reasons for a consideration of withdrawal. And we've been able to break those down by different uh, student characteristics, like student gender, um, internationally or Irish domicile students, but also course characteristics, so the field of study that students are in or their, um, whether they're full-time, part-time. And one of the options that students had when answering this question was they, so they could have indicated that they considered withdrawing for personal or family reasons, for financial reasons, or for other reasons. And um, I was able to do a qualitative analysis of 2,702 responses to an other reason for considering withdrawal. And some of those other reasons that were highlighted um, included things like students regretting their choices, saying that they had wished that they had chosen a different course. Um, also their perception of their course, their experience so far, and indeed psychological reasons such as, and one thing that came through quite consistently in relation to psychological reasons was self-doubt and students feeling like they didn't belong in their course or doubting their own ability to be able to complete it. In 2019 and 20, uh, 2019 to 2020, the non-progression rate reported by HEA was 9%. So if you look at that in relation to the studentsurvey.ie data, of those, so the non-progression rate relates to progression from first-year undergraduate to second-year undergraduate. So we see that of those who actually did leave their course, that was about 9% of students, which gives a good context to that about 35% of first-year undergraduates who consider withdrawing but the important thing there is that in order for them to have done the survey in February and March 2022, they're still there. So it's really interesting data to give us insight into the mindset of students, the reasons that come to bear upon them that they would consider withdrawing from their course, and I suppose some of those pressures that come to bear on students. And we hope that that will be of use to institutions, to agencies and organizations represented here, and indeed to students in understanding some of those challenges and pressures for students and hopefully doing something about those and addressing some of those challenges so that they don't continue to be dilemmas for future students. And um, just I will say briefly then additionally, uh, the part two of our Looking Deeper chapter was a return to some of the questions that we had looked at in the report in 2021, where we had seen the most impact of COVID-19 on students' experiences and specifically first-year undergraduate students' experiences. So we went back to those and re-examined some of those data and very hearteningly found that for some of the areas most impacted by COVID-19, like collaborative learning, like that student-faculty interaction that has been mentioned already, those responses have bounced back to nearly pre-COVID-19 levels. And I would highly encourage you to take a look at those data because they're presented in a beautiful interactive dashboard format that was created um, by our colleague Janice Lau in the HEA. And it makes for very interesting reading and for delving into further by yourselves. 
Um, so finally, to note, um, we have taken a digital-first approach for this report for the first time. So you will, those of you who are familiar with receiving boxes of hard copies of the report, those days are over, I'm afraid. What you do have is some printed copies of the executive summary. I invite them to invite you to take those away with you, but participating institutions and, again, the organisations and agencies will have received a small number of printed copies for internal distribution. But all of the, the, the really rich stuff is available, as I said, in a very interactive and user-friendly um, layout as a microsite or as a website. And so you can find that at www.studentsurvey.e and it's all available to you there. So I will just recap on that. That's uh, I'll jump ahead to that, shall I? Um, so just to mention then, so the results are available in that executive summary in front of you on the website. However, I will take the opportunity to draw your attention to this excellent well of data that we have in the form of the Trends Over Time Research 2016 to 2021. Um, it, it gives great insight into the trend series of the analysis. Um, I'm also delighted to be able to announce here today that we are running a series of research bursaries for the analysis of qualitative data from studentsurvey.e and PGR studentsurvey.e. So that's the, our survey of student engagement for postgraduate research students. Please do share that news with colleagues within your institutions and organizations who are in, involved or may be interested in doing qualitative research. And also, I would like to draw your attention to the fact that we're running a series of online, short, um, around about lunchtime, workshops around uh, particular aspects to do with the data analysis of studentsurvey.e and PGR studentsurvey.e, led by requests and demands from those working on the data for the areas that they're interested in and upskilling in. There is a poster outside, and if you scan the QR codes on that poster, you will get further information about those research bursaries and about uh, all of the um, the workshops and all of the data that I have mentioned here today. And I think in that case, I will say uh, thank you very much to the students who completed the survey, to everybody working on studentsurvey.e and PGR studentsurvey.e, in particular, the editorial group that prepared the national report for 2022. Um, thank you. Uh, and uh, I will hand over now to Claude and Peter to officially launch the report. Hello again. Um, so this year we've seen uh, 42,852 students answer the student survey, which is fantastic. Um, we have to recognize last year was a difficult year for students and for the staff and the institutions as well. Um, so the student survey continues to be an extremely useful tool for institutions and students' unions um, who exist in those institutions. It's weird being a student union rep because it puts you in an odd situation where, you know, you're representing all of these students' views, but you can't physically talk to every single student. So it's great to have the student survey as a tool that gives us better insight into what our students are thinking, what they need. Um, so, you know, it's great that we have it here for another year and longevity and future as well. So we do rely on this information a lot. And I think it's very important that, you know, there is student engagement and partnership when it does come to looking at the results of um, the surveys. Um, like, are we having focus groups? Are we engaging NSTEP and class reps in discussion? Are sabbatical officers at the table of these discussions whenever the survey's um, results are being analyzed? 
Um, it's, it is great to hear directly from students though, and you know, we understand better how they're progressing academically, uh, personally and socially. Um, so I think what sabbatical officers would really like is to actually have you know, full access to that um, data in future. Um, it is crucial that institutions read the data and recognize their strengths um, as well as their weaknesses um, to go about making decisions in future to actually benefit the students who answered that survey. Um, Students and staff, as, as I said, must come together in relation to the feedback and collaboration is really key in that. Like, we don't want to be working against each other. We really want to be working with each other. Um, the Union of Students in Ireland and students unions are eager to make use of, you know, that valuable data. And, you know, we just want the best to make improvements and enhance the facilities, supports and the learning environments that are on campus. Um, for it to continue to be a useful instrument um, for capturing the student experience. Um, it is crucial that the feedback loop is, you know, closed and, you know, students who answer the survey and take the time out of their day are seeing the results um, of them actually engaging with the um, survey. So obviously it's great to be here. Um, thanks so much for hearing me speak. And as I said, collaboration is key. So long live the student survey. <laughs>